Hello, Make That Paper listeners. Thanks for joining us. Before we start the episode, we wanted to let you know about our brand new true crime podcast, The Girl with the Same Name, The Cold Case of Jamie Stickle, hosted by me, Jamie Stickle. In 2002, a young woman in Pittsburgh by the name of Jamie Stickle was violently killed, and though the circumstances seemed to suggest she was murdered, the cause of her death was never officially determined, and her case was never solved. For years, I have been confronted with the death of this woman I never knew, on job interviews, at business meetings, on dates. People would look me up on the internet and then ask me what I knew about the apparent murder of this person who shares my name. And I had no answers. So now we are going to try to find some. Investigations have already begun. The first episodes will launch in late fall 2023. But we need your help. Please support this investigative podcast by going to kickstarter.com and search for The Girl with the Same Name. Your contribution will help us travel to Pittsburgh to investigate this story more deeply and to produce the highest quality podcast. You can also get exclusive merchandise and content by backing this project. So please visit Kickstarter today and help us seek justice for Jamie. Thanks, everyone. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to pay for Ubers to and from the picket lines, because who wants to deal with parking? Yes. We get to explore the reporter disorder, set sail with the singing server, and approach the audition coach. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And guys, today is special. We have an amazing actress who holds the distinction of being the official voice of Disney's Snow White. That and about a million other voiceover jobs. But you might also know her from her many TV appearances on shows like (laughs) The List. It goes on and on. She got her start in musical theater and has toured all over the U.S., but once upon a time... She was a Sigma Kappa at MSU at Michigan State. MSU, Michigan State. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Weren't you a Sigma Kappa at Michigan State? You know I was, and you don't get to know the secret handshake. Um, Please welcome my sorority sister, the fantabulous Katie Von Till. I want to say, like, I know that she didn't put this in there. Um, but I have the pleasure of knowing this, that she didn't just tour all over the U.S. She also worked in Japan. I did work in Japan. Yeah, I was a singer at Tokyo Disneyland, which I I haven't been there, but we're going in September. So and I haven't been since I worked there. So I'm really excited to go back and that is amazing, you know, visit my old stomping grounds. Mm Um, but I just want to clarify, Uh, Jamie is not only my sorority sister, Mm -hmm. she is my little sister that's right mm. he was my big sister and not only was she my big sister in the house but she was also my actual roommate because it's college so not just housemate but we were roommates so right. you know what every single one of you people that says oh tell katie and i said hi i we go way back i again <laughs> the answer is no katie and i go way back but i'll tell her you said hello i'll say our mutual so, friend right. says hello Far be it from me to invade your intimate relationship. Yeah, get out, Jason. We actually don't even need you today. I'm so sorry. This is just for me and Stickle. We're just going to go over. You two go. I'm going to have a snack. Jamie, do you remember 
our the one year we lived together, we were obsessed with and watch him and that was when they were still like driving the desk and stuff that was our jam yeah. so got on there i was like oh sticker will be so happy for me <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was like living with katie and having the same dreams when you're in michigan in like a middle part of michigan not in a part of michigan where i don't even think we had a film school and um part of my major was film so uh like all i did was watch films at night in this class and didn't even have to turn papers in no exams we just talked about it as a discussion class that's how that's how far behind the um what do you call it when the um curriculum was yeah i mean it's insane to me it's insane to me that i had a roommate let alone a person who wanted to be in L.A. as much as I did. Like, I mean, I think in from our sorority, we were the only two people I know. Definitely us for acting, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it was, so, it was so great. But it was also one of those things where I saw other people having a lot of fun in college. And Katie understood me better. <laughs> like, it was not fun. We were working our asses off to be young enough to get out fast enough to pursue playing 16 on television. <laughs> like, we were... <laughs> People have all these great memories. We, we were in the sorority because we didn't have time for a social life. So the only way we were to have friends is if they lived down the hall. I mean, it's so true. And anyways, okay. So we digress for a moment because what I really want to talk about is um, we are on strike. So I think this is a good episode to talk about the things that Katie's done because what people, what I always say is, that there are jobs in this industry that are more than side hustles. They're adjacent jobs, right? We've found something we love to do. We're passionate about it. And how do we make money in an, in an adjacent position where we feel that we are still very close or integrated into our community, right? And that is exactly what Katie has capitalized on. And I think it's like extraordinary. And I think that... Um, this is the thing that uh, people on strike right now need to know, that there are other avenues uh, of making and fulfilling that creative side of yourself. Oh, yes. And God knows we're on strike. And, yeah, babe. And I'd, li- <laughs> I'd like to just really quickly set the scene for, for folks at home because this episode will come out probably in a few weeks. But the day, as of the day we're recording, today is the day it happened. The, the actors are going on strike. It's official. Yeah, um, yeah. Joining the writers who have been on strike for two months now 70 days oh gosh Oof. 71 days i don't know I how many months that is how many months did is you, that did you, did you read that thing out there like oh yeah we're trying to starve them out of their yes. apartment yes we've been starving actors for years like we can do this all day That's oh. what i just want to say right most me. actors are working class middle class yeah. folk like you think yeah. that this uh, was the only bread and this you were bread and bread and buttering our toast i'm sorry no, no, no. We've been doing this shit, investing in real estate, finding means to put money aside for retirement. Like, we've been doing shit, man. You can't, this isn't going to work for actors. Our kid's going to be so upset, there'll be no Halloween episodes this year. God dang it. He'll just have to watch repeats. I mean, that's my question next, you guys. I know, I digress again. But when do we stop watching, when do we cancel our streaming? Like, when? I'm going to do it uh, probably tonight or tomorrow okay yeah that's my question yeah i'm gonna you know that's not something that like technically the union's not allowed to say that Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. because that's like federal law blah 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 but as actors we need to spread the word like 
we got to hit them in the pocketbook, right? Get your family to subscribe. Get get everybody to unsubscribe. That's the only way we can, uh, you know, really show them that we matter. Exactly. We matter beyond yeah. our ability to contribute, but also we are their consumers. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who's ever in an audition who says that they don't watch television, I'm like, you're not in our business. Right. Well, I was thinking about this yesterday. You know, when you when like other unions go on strike, you stand outside the, uh, the you know, they have storefronts, they have businesses that you can interrupt with your strike. The right. studios, there's no commerce at these studios where we're striking. There, we're just, you know, we're, we're messing up the view from the executive's suite, but. <laughs> If we cancel subscriptions, if we get the word out that people have to take action that hits them, mm -hmm. we've got some power if we yeah. can get them to do it. I don't know which subscriptions I'm ready to let go of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But what do, what do we do when we cancel our subscriptions? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sort of terrified, but I think that we can like... Um, there are free things Yeah, I was there. just going to say... But, you know, you can actually, like, the library, you can get library stuff through... Uh, DVDs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I got an antenna. I got an antenna. I'm going to try to get just, oh like, chance. <laughs> yeah, I think that's Katie's going to be talking to the aliens. We're going to be yeah. watching Crackle and everything that Crackle has to offer, which is now... Um, Sony. We're, but, no, it's kitchen. It's, it's something like... Um, Soup for the soul now. Chicken soup for the soul is like. Oh, the... that's right. <laughs> oh. They they bought crackle, right? They bought crackle. The reason I think we can still watch a uh, uh, network TV is because advertisers pay for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm all. The, how do we lose that model? Oh, you want to pay for my entertainment? Great. Mm -hmm. Please do that. Why do I got to pay too? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um. Okay. So let's talk about this first. Um. So. I think you went to New York from school for like a year, right? I was actually based there for four years. Oh my so I was gosh. there for quite a chunk. I was gone about half the time working other places like Tokyo Disneyland, yeah. uh, theater in Jacksonville, Florida, nice. uh, <laughs> summer stock in New England. You know, I was gone a lot and subletting my place and I thought, I can't actually make a living in the town I'm living in. I keep having to sublet my apartment. And I was standing outside the equity building. It was 6.30 in the morning. It was 23 degrees outside. The building wasn't gonna open for another hour. And then the sign-in wasn't gonna start for another hour. And I said to the girl next to me, hold on, I'm gonna go check where we are in line. I counted the line. I realized I was gonna be the I was going to be 40th on the alternate list. I wasn't even going to get a slot and I'm freezing my butt off. And I thought, I'm out of here. I can't, I can't yeah. do this anymore. So I moved to LA. Yeah. Well, I love the strength that you had to like say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't it. I'm leaving. But um, because four years is a little different than a year. Like you've, you saturated yourself a bit, but I think the fact that all your jobs were taking you on the road someplace else, yeah, it made it a little bit easier. But I think it's interesting when you sublet in New York, were you losing money on that? Or was that a way for you to make a little pocket change? Uh, no, I, I lost money on it. Yeah. Oh, really? Damn it. Damn. Or I broke even. I, I lost money the first time I did it. And then, and then I started breaking even. But the first, the first time I subletted, I lost money. That's because there was no um, Airbnb. God damn it. Well, I, I subletted to a friend, but you know, I had to entice her to do it right i had to be like I'll, I'll give you a deal and that had to you know that was the thing so 
You gotta find yeah. an out of towner. You gotta find the next Rube getting off the bus. <laughs> That's what I, I mean, she was an out of towner, but yeah. I had to. <laughs> like, come to New York, right? Come to New York. You can stay in at my apartment. She's like, mm, I don't know. And I'll be like, four hundred dollars, and she came. Oh, God, Katie. Amazing. <laughs> So you're you're out there, you're in, in Wyoming doing Oklahoma and like knowing that fifteen percent of your paycheck is basically paying someone else's rent. You betcha. Uh, but, but you weren't paying room and board when you were on the road, right? Please tell me. No, no, they, they pay for that. Yes, okay. Yeah. Um but before this, Katie was also sort of breaking in at, with her singing and she was being flown to San Jose to sing the Star Spangled Banner. Um, before Sharks games? Yeah, Sharks games, and I also did Sacramento Kings. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So she'd be like, oh, I can't do this tonight. I have to go. Where are you going? I'm, I'm flying to Northern California. I'll be back. I'll be back. And she's so matter-of-fact about it. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I'll, I, don't worry. It's a, it's, it sounds like a plot line from Pretty Woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't, it's just it, so a wealthy man is taking me on a flight somewhere. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's going to pay for my education. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. It's all above board. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's consensual. Um, last episode, I think we were talking about um, what we thought uh, our guest was sex trafficking. And we were like, bro, this could be... <laughs> This could be like a different podcast, and this might not be legal. Please tell us. Oh no! (laughs) It's so funny. I can't, you guys. Every episode, somebody says something, and my mind immediately goes, "Is this child trafficking? Like, what are you saying right now?" Speaking of child trafficking, Katie used to drive children around to auditions. Yeah, that was one of my side hustles. Uh, Friends and I started this thing that we called Ready Go Set. Yes. and so what we would do is um, we'd, like, pick people's kids up from school and then, like, coach them on our audition, take them to their audition, and then take them home. We would uh, chaperone them on set because their parents, you know, we'd become their guardians for the day, get signed over as their guardians and their while their parents were working. And, um, yeah, that was a... Stage mom for hire. Yeah, exactly. It's, am- yeah. it's amazing. And I don't understand. We'll talk about... It's a great model because um, now that Jack, we have an eight-year-old, you know, and now that Jack is eight and we see kids. Oh, my God, he's eight? I mean, yeah. Andy's uh, <laughs> very handsome. Um, yeah. But he's yeah. got such a good head on his shoulders. Like, he performs, but he, our agents are always like, we really, we really want to send him on auditions. He's like, nah, I'm not into it. And I'm like, thank God, thank God. He likes to direct. He likes to be a DP. He likes to write the scripts. And I'm like, great, buddy. That's great. But... I see his age group and people getting their children into this field, which I'm like, no, I don't want to talk to you about it. Because it's never actors. It's always people that are like lawyers or corporate people or doctors or something. And I'm like, no, I, 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 I'm anti this. But they can't take the time off. Like, and they have the money to spend for someone like you to do this. So, yeah. So this must have been lucrative at the time. It was. I. The only reason I stopped it is because I. You can't leave people's children in the lurch. Yeah. And I would like if I got an audition, you mm-hmm. know, or I booked a job, you know, you you can't 
you can't do that to somebody's kid. It's one thing when you're coaching an adult to be like, hey, can we reschedule? But you, you can't do that when somebody's literally depending on you to chaperone their child. So uh, I, had to, I had to shutter it. But I actually, and it's been such a long time, I still get random messages from mom saying, I found out about your business. Can you, can you work Tuesday? Yeah. I, f- I feel like, one, you didn't need to shutter it. You need a stable of, of, of reliable sure. people. Yeah, um, think of the background and, checks. Think of the like fingerprinting, the the insurance, the liability. When you're not doing yeah. it yourself, you're entrusting an employee. That's a lot of freaking work when you're trying to be and a full time actor. You know how controlling I am, Jamie. There was yeah. no way I could. Like, I I just I don't have that much trust in other people. As you shouldn't. No, I I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Anybody wants to buy it from me, let me know. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. You sell that business model. That's good. Did you ever, and I mean, did you ever take any kids to your auditions that came up last minute? Or like when you're with them, it's all about them? All about them. And did you Absolutely. turn down any auditions because of it? Or any more? Uh, I think just one because it was, I couldn't do it. I couldn't make it happen. But that was the impetus to be like, this is not going to work. Because as my, my career was, was taking off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went from really having a lot of free time to, to not having quite so much free time. And so I just, I had to, I had to, do- I had to drop it. Yeah. 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 And there were three of you or two of you. Yeah. So, yeah. So and same with the other thing, the other two. So my friend Lisa, Michigan State yeah. and Joanna, Michigan State, Joanna DeGeneres and Lisa Lennox, both Michigan State grads and my two best pals. And we um, we did it together. But then uh, Joanna's headshot business took off. Yeah. Uh, Lisa started going out more. So none of us could do it. Yeah. So that, but it was, that was you need so you, you needed less successful <laughs> friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think that that that's the thing is um, at some point that people what we get into trouble with is oh this is fulfilling in a way that I'm making money and security and it feels so good because I am contributing to my business. But then how is that stifling to your own goals and dreams, right? Like. You know, all the golden handcuffs, right? Exactly. That's why I always tell people, like, don't get the fancy apartment. Don't get a car lease. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Don't do that stuff. Don't Don't do it. Shackle yourself. No. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't buy a place on your first show. (laughs) So many people do, or they buy an expensive car and then it's canceled. And then it's like, well, how was that life for eight months? Was it, was it good for you? Good. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So I always, uh, speaking of the sorority house, I basically created another sorority house for me here. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I live in a house that, um, after I lived here for about a year, my parents were selling a rental property in the Bay area and rather they had to get another rental property as you guys, I'm sure know for the 1031 tax exchange. Yeah. They thought, well, you're in LA now. Why don't we buy something down there? And then you can manage it and rent it with your friends and we don't have to worry about it. We'll just, it'll just be totally passive for us. And I thought, nice. great. So I've actually lived with as many as six people in this house. At the same time. Because, yes. Yes. And I was married at that point. Wow. Well, okay. So you have, it's a, it's a full house and then you have an income property below, like the, I guess the bottom well, floor. Well, all of it goes, yeah. So the bottom floor has its own like separate entrance. And so actually... Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's still rented out now. The main house is now just me and my boyfriend. But I, I was married to my, my first husband and had six people living upstairs wow. and somebody in the downstairs. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Now, do, you, do you put, like, tape on the floor to determine who's, <laughs> whose area? No. No. <laughs> okay. No. And I got to tell you, I loved it. I love communal living. <laughs> I And during the pandemic, you know, I had friends who lived alone who were just miserably yeah. lonely. Yeah. So I highly recommend communal living. So let me highly. ask you this about it. At any point in time, did you stop paying rent? Like if you had six people and you divided theirs and then you just lived for free. No. So you had that sort of, oh, look at, see, Katie is like so, so equal. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. So what you did was cut your costs out and output so that you could live and survive with your um, acting your bread and butter jobs, which is um, voiceover Snow White. So you're voicing yep. a lot of the um, Snow White dolls and toys and things that dolls, toys when she shows up in like animated programs, commercials, uh, and then like live shows that they do in other parts of the world. So like you know when you see a parade and you know, mm -hmm. Shanghai or a castle show there, um, the gal, you know, the face character of Snow White is lip syncing to me. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a little wild. Well, they're very, um, Disney is really protective of their uh, IP, right? So, for example, I'm not the voice of Snow White. The voice of Snow White is Adriana Casalotti, and I am voice matching her. Right. right. She's the voice. She will always be the voice. Right. Um, she's obviously no longer alive. Right. Uh, yeah. Because uh, she it was in 1937. But, um, so I'm, I'm voice matching her but they want it they want to keep the consistency they want that they want it to feel seamless like nothing's changed yeah. so here's a question for you that speaks and i would like to get back to your jobs but this this is right at the heart of what our uh the actor strike is about um and that's ai and you are basically doing that like the prime job that ai is looking to replace yeah, this I and I've voice matched other people too. I've done I've done quite a bit of voice matching for things as simple as like a, a radio television promo where they they can't quite get the sound mix from this show to work mm -hmm. on the radio, right? So they they need it to bump it up and the actor isn't available. Things like that, um, or things like uh, um, video games where the the celebrity doesn't turns it down, right? They're offered yeah. it, of course, yeah. and then they're like, I don't have time, and it's not you know. It, I just, I can't, I'm committed somewhere else, um, that they use someone like me. And now they'll, you know, the hope is for that person, because I believe everybody should own their likeness, um, that they can simply license their voice to be used with AI, but be paid as if they were working in person, because they should, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's gonna eliminate uh, a lot of jobs for people like me who do voice matching. Mm -hmm. But your point of view is actually that that's fair, that that's not a problem because the the original actor is licensing their own voice. Yeah, if that's what's happening, right? Okay. If, yeah. it, if it's not that, then I have a real problem with it. And the thing is with, the, um, with things like characters, that's not the actor. They're doing a voice. So actually they don't um, own the voice of the character if that makes sense so um they could get someone to voice match it such as myself and then ai that right and then they're using me 
it just depends, right? Because but if it is their legit voice, like those people in a promo, you know, for their own show, or they're literally using their own speaking voice, um, and it's not a character, uh, then then I think it's appropriate. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. People to be paid. I just want people to be paid yeah. as if they did the work. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into that more deeply. Uh, but we're going to back up and talk about some funny stuff first, because I think yeah. like, um, you guys, uh, who are listening, we have so many Midwest listeners. It's insane. And I don't think that they understand. Hello, our... Midwest. Hello, Midwest. Um, hold, hold, hold for helicopter. Oh, helicopters. Okay, it's we gone. love them. They're so fun. Um, we... I don't think they understand all the nuance of the strike and that a guild versus a union and all that. So, you know, we're peppering it in, in these episodes this summer, but, um, also it's surprising always to them to know about the business, how there are like, you're a voice match. That's part of acting. And that is something that has, um, given you a living, uh, that and, uh, voiceover in general, like commercials and things of that nature. Um, which has sustained you uh, as being employed and having health benefits and all that jazz. Um, And that is surprising to a lot of people. Um, Yeah, so there's so many avenues of acting that don't necessarily um, mean that you are a star of a show. You know, this is called the middle class acting. This is a a worker's Mm -hmm. job. You know, we're the line people. So we'll get to all of that. But first... um, I didn't know this one about you, and I always feel that I know everything about you, but I did not know that you were a radio news reporter. What the f- fudge? Jamie, it was the summer after I graduated MSU. I I was, remember, I was there for that summer to finish my second degree. Yeah. And I, I was really bored out, out of my mind, and I needed to make some money, and I went to, like, the career center <gasps> at MSU. I do remember this now. Oh, my God. There was, like, a posting for, like, radio news reporter and I was like I don't know sure, sure why not I can do that I drove up, I, you know I call them I get an interview I drive over there and fun story I got the job because when she asked me to read I just voice matched her so she heard her own delivery and her own voice coming back at her to a, to uh, a degree right? and she was like you sound great and I was like mm, oh yeah. do I yeah <laughs> Now, did you practice? Did you listen to her no, show beforehand? Or you were just she in the room? She just was in the room. No, but oh. I had sat and watched her do the news a couple of times. Well, yeah, that's then, my question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I sat and watched her do it, you know, and she showed me how everything works and everything. And then she, she had me read some copy, and I just, I just mimicked her. How long did that last? Did that lasted through the whole summer when you were finishing up? I just did it for like six weeks while I was yeah. while I was still there, and then um, and then I quit. Yeah, and it was it was a hell of a job. I had to be there at four thirty in the yep. morning Oof. on Saturdays. I had to um, like get there, call the police, try to get sound bites, like you know, try to get try to get stories. And then I was also in charge of um, covering city council meetings on Monday nights. So it was really thrilling. Yeah. So I didn't know that this is a, it's another thing that the two of you have in common because Jamie was also yeah. in the, right, in the yeah. news. Yeah, it's that exciting. It's that, it's that thrilling. It's just as Katie explained it. So wait a second. So, so when you were a reporter, you said that your first broadcast was a doozy. What happened? Oh, yeah. I had to be there at 4.30 in the morning. 
and I had to like call police officers and stuff like that. And you had to like, you had to like make the, I don't even know, were they like eight tracks or something? Those giant cassettes? I don't even know what they were, but you had to like pull stuff off the AP wire. You had to, you had to pull, pull sound bites off the AP wire. You had to get sound bites from, from the police, blah, blah, blah. And I was told to be there like an hour before my broadcast. And I did not know what I was doing. So my <laughs> first broadcast was like, from your 24-hour newsroom. I mean, I was a disaster. I was stumbling over my words. I was mis I was putting in the wrong tapes. It was such a cluster F that a listener called me on the phone and told me how bad I was. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, and this is like 5.30 in the morning, the first broadcast, and they were like, that was a disaster. What are you doing there? And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was embarrassing. And a learning experience, uh, you know, because she showed me everything. I thought, I got it, I got it, it's good. But when the pressure is on, yeah. reporting, right, it's, um, you know, I wasn't expecting the panic, the adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, it was a slightly different thing than I was used to. Of course, I was used to going on stage, but I'm used to being, like, rehearsed a lot. And, right. you know, I'd never done anything like that. And I think... She almost trusted me too much because I did such a good job imitating her. <laughs> and she also took me out, like, to interview people on the street with her that day about a story that was going on. And, you know, I can talk to people, so that, was, that wasn't an issue. Those things are easy for me. Yeah. But the technical stuff and then figuring out how to lay out a, a, a newscast, even though it was only, like, five minutes, I did not do well. Yeah, five minutes is harder than a half-hour show. So I've I've I had to go through this. I had to do um, radio, audio, sound, and everything at, at school, and um, they tested us on like a twenty-minute show, but we've yeah. been practicing on half-hour shows. And Lansing was still using yeah eight tracks, and this was in the late '90s, and they were still using them in the aught two thousands, and those were your commercials. <laughs> they were and you, but your timing. You, they beat it into your head that you, the station will get a citation if you don't make it at like 821. If you don't call out the station numbers and play this advertisement from this company, we will get a citation. We will get dinged. We will have to pay money. And you are, wait, all that's on you. And you're like, holy crap, how do these guys do this? Yeah, it's a lot. A lot of pressure. And so for a first timer who's literally, just graduated, but technically still in college with my other thing. Uh -huh. um, you know, I didn't know what the I didn't know what the heck was going on, and I was a yeah. theater major. I didn't do telecom. I didn't know right. any of that stuff. I didn't know any of it, and so I really botched it. And and a view and a listener called me out on it. What an asshole! Like I don't need you to tell me I did bad. I know I did bad. No, it's my it's first, my first day. I've never done it before. <laughs> he ended up, I think by the end, it was a man. He ended up by the end being like, "I'm so sorry. Don't worry. You've got this. It'll oh. be okay." Oh my God! The Thanks, graveling Gramps. we have to do as women. Yeah, and then I had I had a I had an, another one an hour later, and he called me and again and said that was much better. <laughs> How did you sad. get this number? Oh my God! <laughs> it's called the, the the you could there was a number to the news. Yeah, oh, this, sure. Like, Small this town. Was a country radio station, and it was a country radio station. It wasn't like a news station, right? Right. right. So it was just a, a small part of a larger larger programming, right? Yeah. So they could just call into the newsroom and talk to me and, and you answered yeah i answered well now they do this thing because i did this job in recent years in the last decade where they have um 
when these big conglomerates came up and bought up all the stations. But so they have subsidiary, like, in-house groups that do all that work now. So that the DJs, all they do is they rip and read, they call it. So I was writing the news bits, and it would go out to every single station they owned in the country. And then the station DJs would just rip it and then read it from the printer the way I wrote it. And um, that was really fucking hard, too, to be a writer for that. And they're like, you, you have to get 20 stories done in eight hours. And you have, like, 17 resources you have to read through to get everything. And I was like, I couldn't do it. It was taking me 16 hours in my first month. And I was getting paid for eight. And I was like, I, <laughs> I have a baby and I can't do this anymore because nursing yeah. and reading at the same time is really hard. Like I only have so many hands. I'm either gonna drop the book or the or the the book or the baby. Oh my god! You know? And then they were like, "We need you to watch the live CMTs tonight and write five pieces." And I was like, oh, "I don't have yeah. regular television. I just have streaming." And they were like, "What?" <laughs> they were like. Who doesn't have television? And I was like, actors? Me. Me. I don't. Yeah. And this was before everything was live streaming. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Sure. And this was like seven years ago. Um, like, I'm, I'm saving money. I got back to the, like, how do we make this work? Right? We cut costs. We cut costs. Mm -hmm. you're, like, I'm, you're like, I'm not doing cable. It's too expensive. It, I'm going to get one thing and be done. Cable is so expensive. Can we talk about why is cable always so expensive even now? It's so expensive. Yeah. And then now, if you also want cable, you're, you're paying twice as much because now you're paying for all the streamers also. Right. Because be they're included. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to. So I imagine... After that stressful job, when you, that, I think this was in New, yeah, in New York, you had another job that part of it is more in your wheelhouse, but part of it also seems really stressful. You were a singing waiter yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a boat. Yeah. I couldn't even be I a waiter. Oh, uh, yeah. I was a singing waiter on The Spirit of New York which are the, there was also the Spirit of the Hudson and the Spirit of New Jersey. Uh, there are three boats, but it, the whole thing was called Spirit of New York. And there's Spirit of wherever, wherever there's like these bodies of water, there, or at least there used to be. And they're basically like tourist boats where you come on and have a meal and get some drinks and you go around like the Statue of Liberty. And we had like a show and you'd have to like, you know, Sit on somebody's lap, sing Santa Baby. Oh, You'd God. have to convince somebody to put on a Tina Turner wig and come join the show and sing Proud Mary. When we went, when we got to the Statue of Liberty, you had to sing Proud to Be an American, all while serving. Wow. Oh God, no! It's such a conflict of status. Yeah, it was <laughs> terrible. You also lost me at sitting in people's laps. Like, mm mm. Mm -mm. Yeah, different time. Different, different time. time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Labs and sing Santa Baby, and then like have, have somebody put on a wig from a box. You'd never put a wig on, from a box that probably has lice in it on some passenger. Like oh, that's God, so man. unsanitary. I can't even. I can't even. Um, you know, but we learned these whole little shows with like dance routines and the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Did you get tipped, or was it like a tipped? Okay. But we it was because it was like a. Um, like a fixed thing they only paid for cocktails right so they would tip you on your cocktails and so our wages were uh a bit higher yeah so that mm. um, 
you weren't getting tipped on the meal, basically. Right, right, but were right. you getting paid separately for being an actor and being a... I mean, like, that's You're hilarious, Jamie. That's people being... That's people not taking advantage of people. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's just so... I'm just so... Like, Jesus Christ. I mean, listen, I did the auto shows sort of in the same... I did, I did that for a half second. Yeah. yeah it's like... It, it's... I don't know. I sort of feel like the auto shows was the one place that didn't... And maybe because it wasn't out of Hollywood, it was out of Detroit. Like, they actually mm -hmm. paid decently, and your per diem was good, and they put you in nice hotels yeah. and things like that. Sure. But it's a shit job. And yeah. people, inter anytime you have to be a performer interacting with without a fourth wall <laughs> with your <laughs> public. Um, people are terrible. People are terrible. They think that they, yeah. they, they can touch you, and they can say things to you that are inappropriate. And... It's very, you feel very quickly like, is this 1842 and I'm actually supposed to be a whore at the end of this? Like, <laughs> what's happening right now? It's the oldest profession. profession. It's all ties back to that. Mm -hmm. It all ties back. It's wild. So singing waiter, you, union job, equity, non-equity? Nothing. Audition or Audition. hiring? Audition. And was was waiting a part of the audition, or was it just no. straight singing and dancing? Okay, just straight singing, and I'd never waited tables before, so really? it was a it was a very fast learning curve. And you never um, waited tables I, since. No, no, no. Same. <laughs> I did it one night, and I was like, "Yeah, nope, I'm, I can't do this." Back to the people are terrible. That's it, right? People are just terrible to waiters and servers. Just awful. Mm -hmm. It's it's it's. It's unhealthy how it's unhealthy that people don't understand you could have a Yale drama school graduate with an MFA serving you a steak dinner and you will still talk to them like shit as though they didn't even go like they didn't have a mom and dad or they just like appeared in the world to serve you or something like there's such a they have no life they have no intelligence they're just they're just a robot with flesh. Right. They're mm -hmm. such a caste system. It's so bad. It's really terrible. I felt that completely. Yeah. And that's why I got out of it really quickly. I did it for like um, maybe maybe eight months or oh, six, maybe six, a really short period of time. Yeah. And um, as soon as I had an, an opportunity to leave, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. my my mother was always very uh, against me pursuing this profession, acting. And, um, Wasn't your mom a model or yeah. something? She was. Yeah. She was a model, yeah. So there's a little hypocrisy there. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. Uh, it worked out for you. But we. I remember being, you know, a teenager. She took me to lunch somewhere on the Upper East Side. I want to say it was Serafina. And... Uh, and she, in her very loud Israeli voice, said, See our waiter? He is probably an actor. And I see, I'm, I made eye contact with him. I'm like, <laughs> Don't serve us, go, sir. Um, oh, no. But, but and, and he flirted with me. But, um, and I think he, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that felt good. That felt good. But, uh, and that burned her ass, which made both of us feel good. But, um, <laughs> But that was the moment that I decided that no matter what I did to support myself in this industry or outside of this industry, it would never be the stereotype just so she would be wrong about that. Sure, sure. And that, that not to yeah. say that like it's a 
it can be very lucrative. Yeah. I have friends yeah. who are waiters who absolutely kill. Yeah. And and they love it because they have they love the flexibility. I've actually have people also who it jump started their careers because mm-hmm. they would they'd have regulars and then those regulars would turn out to be in the business. Of course. Like, oh I can help you. Like I've heard that story at least half a dozen times. Yeah. If uh, you you know you do are really good at it and you and you meet people and you network and it's a way to get yourself out of your house if you're not good at leaving your house, it can also be like a jump start for your um, networking skills, people skills. So I, I know people who love it and have killed at it, but for me, I not good. I am not good. Yeah. I also have no upper body strength. I don't have any arm strength, yeah. so yeah. I can't carry. Yeah, I felt. I feel like. It always, I, I did the hostessing thing because the waiting thing didn't work for me. And um, I tried it, the hostessing thing for a while. And I think it's the places you pick too. Oh, yeah. Right? So, like, I, you were on a touristy thing. I hosted at BB King's in, at Universal. So it was another touristy yeah. place. So if you want to make the money and you want to be integrated into the community, don't pick tourist spots to do this shit at. <laughs> Yeah, like, go to the local spots. But bartending, I have friends who still bartend, and I'm like, but how are you up all night at 40? Like, why why are you doing that to your body? Like, are they exhausted? They must be exhausted. Exhausted all the time. And, and but they aging, make, like, three grand in a but night. But they make three grand in a night. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I say bartending's where it's at, but those jobs are so yeah. hard to get. So fucking yeah. hard. Even waitressing or waitering or servering here in LA is is tough. People mm-hmm. have to tell, like take resumes and go to play. Like it's mm-hmm. tough because people when they get that good job they hold on to yeah, it. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, leave. yeah, yeah. They need to book something for you for that job to become available. Yeah, and they need to drive the same car for twenty years and which you did. Yeah, I drove the same car for for since I was sixteen. Yeah, so you had no uh-huh. car payment. You had insurance payment, but that was like pretty cheap. And it was when- pennies. Because when your car is yeah. worth nothing, you, you pay like nothing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't need to insure my car because my car was worth nothing. So you just need to insure everybody else. So even though I had a, you know, I had a big policy because my, my. And you were driving a Miata, so you weren't going to hurt anybody. No, it's like a <laughs> hamster car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Jack's eight. I'm thinking about getting him a Miata. Yeah. He did. He did ask us for a third car, and he goes, "I think we should get a third car for when I'm ready to drive." And I'm like, "Bro, <laughs> it'll be old by the time you're able to drive. And are you still going to want it then?" And he's like, "Yeah, it'll be a classic." Wow. Oh, no. he's, oh he's such a little man. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he understands the assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, but my I learned to drive stick on that car when I was 16. It was my dad's car. And then when I moved to L.A., he gave it to me, which was uh, – actually, I bought it from him for a dollar. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I got really – really lucky, you know. Other people were like, oh, I don't want to drive an old car. And, you know, and they, I had all these friends getting leases, and then they had to, like, stay with their day jobs, and I didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't give people rides, but – which was a great thing, a great thing, Jason. Yeah. Nobody can ask you to take them to the airport if you nope. cannot fit their luggage. Yeah, exactly. I've just Never. always been pretty honest about it. Like, if you're going out of Burbank and you live close to me, absolutely. But I'm absolutely. never taking take you to LAX. Not, in, not on your life. No, not even. No, 
Not even if you pay. I started dating my boyfriend, and like on the fourth date, I told him two things. I said, I do not camp, and I will never take you to LAX. That's smart. Um, I told Jason I'd never camp, and he still has forced me to do it. And I'm like, I, this relationship is going nowhere. It's dead. You're dead to me. You made me camp. Yeah, yeah. terrible. But you're shame we are. <laughs> 14 years later. I can't believe it's been 14 years. Um, Okay. But that brings me to your next job because I remember you doing this one. This one I remember. You were a headhunter cold caller for an attorney recruiter. Which is somehow your weirdest job. I need to know what happened. But did you get this through a temp agency? Because this is such a temp agency job. I got it on backstage. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. Backstage. Oh, for our Midwesterners, backstage is the uh, the trade magazine we actors go to to look for auditions, headshots, all the uh, actors. Jobs. Yeah, odd jobs. Yeah. It used to be a newspaper. Now it's a, a online. Website. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was I was still in New York at the time, so it was the New York backstage, and they were you know it's in like the want ads type. I guess they mu- they must have had want. Oh no, it was just like a little like an ad somewhere on a page, right? Yeah. And I think they thought well actors will be good at cold calling. So you're good at um, rejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I went in and I, you know, auditioned for them and and got the job. Worked there for about a year, and then that's when the thing happened with the being cold outside, sitting on the pavement. And I was like, I'm moving to L.A. And they said, Oh, we have a friend who we, you know, work with in L.A. Uh, let's see if he'll hire you. And they called him, and he's like, Yeah, I'll hire her. So I went to L.A. with the job. That's great. Which yeah. Was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and it was part-time. I could make my own hours, which was fantastic. But the reason it was weird yeah. is because <laughs> I wasn't great at getting um, candidates, per se, but I, was, I got a lot of offers for dates. A lot. <laughs> and I went on Just from and your I voice. On, just from my voice. And I realized, I was like, oh, these people are really lonely. Like, these, these firms really i mean they run these guys ragged these guys have no chance of like meeting anybody and you know you'd start to talk to them you know you'd tell them what you do and as soon as they found out oh i was an actress and i i was you know the little mermaid it took you to disneyland they were like when can i take you to dinner when can i take you to dinner is this how you met your husband it's not oh god (laughs) i know wouldn't that be amazing Uh, i do have an amazing story about how i met my boyfriend though but anywho um i uh uh, yes, yeah, so I got a lot of dates out of it, and then also, oh, you went on the dates. Oh yeah. Oh okay. why not? <laughs> She's new to LA. Yeah, and I did it in New York too. One one guy in New York was like, "I'm gonna take you to see the Lion King," and that's when Lion King like you couldn't get a ticket, right? Yeah. And then I show up to the date, and he's like, "I couldn't get tickets. We're seeing Les Mis," and I was like, "I see Les Mis." <laughs> yeah. Les Mis uh, is not a date show, bro. Not a date, dude. Yeah. If you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna phone it in, at least go to Phantom. <laughs> about romance yeah or cats because you can laugh okay keep going yeah i mean no couple survived les mis no so he took me to see him i did not go out with him again um and then i ended up when i moved here to la same thing got tons of dates out of it um none of them were good and then the other thing that happened is my boss was no one wants to go to the pantages anyway no yeah uh my boss was on the older side and he was like i don't know maybe 73 or 74 when I started working for him and you know he'd been in the business a long time so he wasn't that interested in working Mm. if that makes sense yeah right yeah Yeah. I I feel that way now yeah (laughs) been hustling for a long time 
Yeah, true. And so he would have me do other things. For example, help him fill out his divorce paperwork. Oh, yeah. I, um, yeah. Help help him with his J-date profile. Great. Hmm. Go through all the women on the J-date and help him pick um, peop- women he should ask out. Yeah. Um, so, and that might sound terrible, and it's it's the best job ever. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. My friends used to call him Mr. Pitt, like on, on Seinfeld. <laughs> he was just a nut. And he'd be like, oh, Katie, I don't, is this, he always sent me like scam email, like the prince of wherever trying to get a million dollars. He's like, is this one real? Like he, he, is this one real? Like constantly. No, Barry, they're never real. They're never real. They're always a scam. Do not give anybody your bank account information. It's not real. It's not real. He'd have me, like, come over to his house and fix his computer there and, like, yeah. fix his refrigerator. And, like, I mean, the man was just a really smart, really kind, but a mess in, in his, like, day-to-day living stuff, right? Yeah, the, the 20th Hence century the was a bit much for him. And, yeah. <laughs> Hence the divorce. But you've got clients like this, too, Jason. And I'm like, oh, you, yeah. you own an IT company. Why are you going over to like weed out their photo file? Like I, I don't understand why. And Jason because they was scanned like, their fucking pictures, so now it's IT work. So Jason, Jason was looking at personal photos of this family for the longest time, and I was like, I'm not sure. Didn't you see like a full nude of your client once? And you're I've like, seen, uh, uh, uh. I mean, just so much inappropriate stuff. And I have a client who specifically sends me two to three emails a week, you know, asking if they're, they're spam, but, but we've, we've kind no. of narrowed it down. So it's just a one word email hoax question mark hoax period. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and the natural segue to your best hustle, Katie's yes. best hustle. Yeah. Um, what, what I said, you said coaching actors, Yeah. coaching auditions. Yeah, so I coach actors on their auditions and just, like, audition technique. And um, the reason I love it is because I – it becomes, like – you know, sometimes where you still have that, like, magic moment of, like, seeing somebody just nail it. And mm. I don't know. There's something about watching somebody just nail a scene or nail a character that is, like, just fills my cup, right? It absolutely – fills my creative cup and you know we're talking about ways of you know when we are creative people how do you how do you find ways to um fill that you know creative desire when you're not being hired by somebody else right and for me that's um making things with my friends right making movies or shorts or web series or whatever and then coaching other actors and i i absolutely love it and also i love it because i have a very um I don't keep clients. I have this thing where I, I want to teach you what I know and then I want you to go away. And then if you if you need me, you can come back or whatever. But I, you know, I always ask them, you know, what's an acting teacher's job? And they say, oh, to, to teach me about acting, to make me. And, and no, it isn't. Their job is to get you to come back to class, right? That's their job. Their right. job is, is to get you in there like a little cult mm-hmm. and take your 
money forever yeah. on this mm-hmm. on this on this in this industry that has become harder and harder to make a living in yeah. like you're not going to get a, a return on this investment so i say come learn you know the few things i have to teach you i'll teach you if you if you need me to read with you for a specific audition or coach with you for a specific audition i'll do that too but as far as like ongoing just regular coaching i i'd say i don't yeah i don't do yeah. I mean, it's a great yeah. pitch, but that's a terrible business model. Or is it? But it's not because I'm the same way. Like, I don't teach writing classes. So I teach storytelling and writing. But I'm, I, listen, I'm also a professor. So I teach undergrads. And they don't come back me, for me to me for a second class. When their semester's right. over, their semester's over. And I love that. But we stay in touch now. We're equals. Now you're in this business. Now we're, you know, now you can call me friend. And we can follow each other on Instagram. But with, like, my writing classes independently of my students that I I love to do, it's the same thing. Like, I teach the same thing because I don't want to have, like, this level class, this level class, this level class. I want to show you how to go deeper in your story where you feel comfortable and confident. And then if you need me to help edit, if you get stuck in a place, then you and I can work on that one-on-one. But... Yeah, I don't want to develop a curriculum where I'm teaching the same people over and over and over. Yeah, I just, it's, that's also not creative for me, right? That's mm-hmm. not creative for you to have the same thing over no, and over. No, it's a right? dead end. The, the constantly rotating yeah. client list has been, um, you know, like I just, I have to coach somebody at two who I haven't seen in forever. Yeah. And I'm really excited not only to coach her, but to say, How's it going? You know, yes. I helped her get some representation. Like, are you getting out? How's it working? You know, and I feel like this is a, uh, they can become more my peers and my friends when we don't have that super structured teacher student relationship. Exactly. And so that's why I find it so fulfilling. I'm, I've become probably a little bit over invested in their mm. careers. So I do feel the pain of jobs they don't get and stuff like that. And when they're having a hard time finding reps, which is why, you know, I always try to introduce people to as many people as I can to see if they can, anybody can help anybody else out. But, um, I, so that is the one downside, but as far as it being a way to make a little extra cash, but also a way to feel like a creative. I do a class now where it's pay what you can. And if that means you can't pay anything, like we're still going to do this because I believe in your creative process and I believe in the creator. So, you know, it is what it is. And listen, for the love of God, the people that need life coaches and coaching are the people that can't fucking afford it. Okay. Like we're the people struggling. So to force us to continue to out of pocket to make our careers better is such a shitty fucking model. That's not mm-hmm. cool, man. That's not mm-hmm. cool. Yes. Well, I have no cancellation policy. Yeah. You can cancel the moment we're supposed to start coaching because I believe that you're not an asshole, yeah. right? You're, not, you're coaching, you're canceling for a reason that you need to cancel, right? You're not just being a jerk, right? I, be, I need to believe that you're a good person and something has happened, right? And as actors, we have no control over our schedule. So I think we could all use a little bit of like, leniency in that area and then the other thing is I don't I bill by 15 minutes so if you schedule an hour and we take a half an hour you don't owe me the hour you owe me the half an hour like I I, I don't I just I'm sick and tired of people bilking people for for money everywhere they can and particularly like I you know all this like coaching stuff speaking of like career coaching acting coaching all this stuff has exploded oh yeah 
And there's a whole like, industry on teaching people how oh. to be that. Oh yeah. my God, it's such an MLM in and of itself. Big time MLM, yeah. yep. Pyramid scheme people, don't do it, walk away. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's sad, it's really awful. It's sad and it preys on people's vulnerabilities and it preys on young people. So, which is one reason I love teaching undergrad and I get the seniors, so juniors and seniors. So I feel so privileged that I'm teaching them the industry that they wanna be in and able to get to them before the industry gets to them, right? And, and, right. and say these things like, listen, you're going to be in places of frustration. You're gonna hit walls. You're gonna have A, B, and C. We just need more people to tell people to stop. And it's in, it's incredible to me, and you'll agree with this, I'm sure, when people go, well, it's not my job to like rock the boat or tell them. And I'm like, it is your job. It right. is your job. If like yeah. a fellow human being. If nobody spoke up to Hitler, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Because he wasn't hurting you, so you don't say anything? Like, Jesus. That's why they tell us not to talk about the money we make, right? It's like yeah. employers don't want you to talk about the money you make because they don't they don't want to pay people. They don't right? Right. All, I try to talk about money all the time. Yeah, same. We need to not rude. We need to normalize that. Same hundred percent. And and yeah. that and that by the way goes beyond uh, actors. That's all, all class. I mean, wi women need to need to talk about it. Yes, Men need yes, to talk yes. about it in support of women. Yeah. Um, people of color need to talk about yeah. it because it is unequal. And no one knows. That's right. That's right. They want to keep us silent. It's how the man keeps us down. Yeah. Um, the other thing I have a side hustle that I find super duper rewarding because it relates to this mm -hmm. is I teach people how to track their commercial residuals. I love this job. And, and I teach people, you'd be surprised, you guys, how many actors don't know what unemployment is. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, it's, I learned about it late. My aunt actually told me, she's like, Jamie, you've been paying into unemployment you need to go collect unemployment because you're unemployed. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's amazing. And I just saw a gal at a happy hour um, a couple nights ago and she's like, you know, I never I never applied for unemployment until you told me about it. And I was like, wow. Cause I did, I've, a couple times I have people like, I'll just invite a group of people over and say, come, you know, come over to my house and I'll teach you how to do all this for free, right? I'm just gonna, mm -hmm. or maybe one time I did it for like, bring a donation to a, a you know, this thing. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from just, uh, I do charge if people want me to do it individually, yes. Because there are people who then use me as their personal Google and call me and ask me every other question. And it's like, dude, I am, I know. That's a job. It's a job. Google it yourself. Yeah. So I learned not to do that. But I'm happy to do it. Like I've, my agents have brought me in to talk to their whole client list. Yeah. Um, I'm not a couple of times, That's right? Great. I'm happy to do a, a, a big thing like yes. that where hit a lot of people at once, yeah. right? They can pay, pay it forward and it can become this like snowballing thing, right? Because I just want actors to have money in their pockets. I just want them to be able to pay their rent, mm -hmm. eat their food, raise their kids and live in the city and be an available workforce for the people who need us to be available to work. Yeah. Mic drop. And well, Katie, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie's going to be the next SAG president, so. Um... Oh, don't say that. People always, I, people have said that to me in the past, and I was like, I will do it if I can do it in secret. Yeah. Because there are ways to, like, do it where nobody knows. Because mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. I, I'm good at that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I do 
I've sat on the board and I'm chair committees and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I don't like the um, attention, the like, I don't like the like politicking and the mm -hmm. mudslinging and the, and the, I don't like politics. Yeah. But I like making things run well. Yeah. Mm. Because whenever politics is involved, no matter how great, perfect, wonderful you are, they are going to say bad, nasty, hateful things to you and about you. And I think that that is something that people should know why a lot of people don't always step up to the plate for that. Like Jason Bieber, I always say, and his mom says, you should run for local government. Like, you're so pragmatic and great and diplomatic. But but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, but I feel you, Jason, on the not wanting to run for public office. Those jobs are terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also the same Thankless. thing with the SAG stuff. And the SAG stuff, though, yeah. SAG after stuff is volunteer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You don't get any money. Girl. You just get beaten. Beaten up. To a yeah, and it, I, from what I've seen, it doesn't move anyone's careers forward. Oh God, well, no. No. No, it's just people are like, "Oh, you you got elected," and I'm like, "Or oh, it's full of power," and I'm like, "Power to give up my free time? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure." Mm -hmm. With great power you... comes great responsibility. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I like, yeah, oh. it's like interning. If I ever want to be a professional advisor in a political office, maybe. But that seems like a stretch at this point of, because I'm an actor and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not a stretch that I couldn't, but I don't want to. Like, I remember the day I said to my dad, oh, I want to be a pediatrician on television. Like, I'll never <laughs> forget that moment. I think I was like 12 and I, I think it was maybe ER. I don't know. But I was like, mm -hmm. I want to be a pediatrician on TV. And he was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, smart ass, Jamie. That's true. Always um, from day one. This I know. this has been amazing. I'm so happy to see your gorgeous yeah, face, and um, I'm so glad that we got to talk a little bit about everything. And I know, I know it's not easy for actors to come on and talk about all this shit. But the thing is, like, if it's an important thing for audiences to know, especially now that we're on strike why we're on strike and like how hard we actually work every day. We're not just sitting around, you know, waiting for people to call us to audition. We're hustling constantly. And yeah. I want people to know that. But I do want people to remember, like, it's not just about making money. It's about saving money. Yeah. Yes. And for me, it's living, it's living very frugally, right? It's living as frugally as you can because it doesn't matter how much money you're making if you're spending it. Yeah. 100%. Totally. Yeah.